Why'd the chicken cross the road? That is an old riddle, very old. In fact, it appeared in 1857 in a New York magazine. I guess you know the answer. Why'd the chicken cross the road? Yeah. So you got it to get to the other side. It's funny, except that it's really not. (laughs) And that's why it's a riddle. And since it's really not funny, it has generated a whole slew of other answers like this. Why'd the chicken cross the road? Grandpa says, in my day, we didn't ask that question. Somebody told us the chicken crossed the road, and that was good enough for us. Albert Einstein said, did the chicken really cross the road or did the road move? (laughs) Isaac Newton says, chickens at rest tend to stay at rest, but chickens in motion tend to cross the road. (laughs) A farmer says, it was dinner and he was running. (laughs) A nun says, it was a habit. Colonel Sanders says, did I miss one? (laughs) Here's a a modern riddle building on that very old riddle. Why did Jesus and Moses and the Buddha and Muhammad cross the road? Instead of imagining a punchline, let's just imagine that scene. Jesus, Moses, the Buddha, Muhammad, walking across the same road at the same time. Could those four walk actually together, do you think? What about a specific road, like in Beirut? Or a specific road in Baghdad today? Or maybe in Beijing today. Could those four walk across the same road and talk to one another, not fight with one another, not argue with one another, not condemn one another, not be calling for heavy missiles or carpet bombing or jihad against the other, but actually could those four walk together in step Talking, leading, maybe even arm in arm. Imagine it. Just to imagine it actually puts us in a place where we do not often find ourselves in these days. There's so much uncertainty, there's so much uneasiness, there's so much suspicion, there's so much fear among religious groups. Last Sunday afternoon, the Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities hosted a major event in Richmond called Standing Together. It happened at Bethahaba, the synagogue on West Franklin Street, and it happened because of the suspicion and the fears and the sense of alienation that are seemingly covering our culture and covering our world. The newspaper said there were 300 people there. Those who know better know it was was more like 600 people there because the place was packed. Um, Christians, 
Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, Buddhists, and more. All these people had come together simply to be together, to refuse to be divided, to refuse to be separated by ignorance, and to refuse to be alienated from all the fears that are percolating so readily around our culture. People came together in Richmond in one place from all these different faiths to build bridges, to build community, to increase understanding, and in fact, to embody the very best of all our faiths and our traditions. John Kinney, the dean of Virginia Union School of Theology, said at the event, and I quote, the greatest sanctioners of violence and terror in the world have been and continue to be religious people. We have to change that. John Kinney said, and I quote, the tendency of religious people is to treat those who are not part of our little assembly as other and as deficient. That's our tendency in all of our groups and faiths. And we got to work to change that. We can never have a more hopeful and wholesome world if religion keeps moving us to exclusion and suspicion and fear and alienation. That's missing the whole point. I'm continuing this series of sermons about following Jesus without embarrassing God, and today we deal with following Jesus in our multi-faith world. How do we follow Jesus and not embarrass God in our multi-faith context? We've heard one scripture today, the prophet Micah, great words. The prophet reminds us that God is less concerned with our religious acts and, in fact, less concerned with our religious life and mostly concerned with us doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with our God. Those words are a great starting point for all of us. When we become religious we seem inclined to think that it's all about our religion. And Micah speaks directly, and Micah speaks boldly. We have to watch out, because God cares most about our doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God, much more about that than our religion. Our second text comes from Romans, and I want to read it now from Chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. 
We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. The giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. That's also a good word for us on this day as we think about this topic. We're called always not to be conformed, but be, to be transformed and to serve God in all of our ministry. Not to think more highly of ourselves, but with sober judgment, be committed to caring, and loving, and going, and giving, and doing with compassion. That is our real worship. Too often, one of the ways that Christians have responded to multi-faith issues and multi-faith questions is to race to certain texts of Scripture that affirm the prominence and the exclusiveness and the finality of Christ. There are lots of these texts through the Bible. There's a lot of them in, for example, John's Gospel. Like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Or John 14.6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there are a few other texts that say there's no salvation apart from Christ. And we can readily, and we can presumptuously assume that those texts give us a claim to superiority, um, give us permission not to dialogue, give us permission not to be related to sisters and brothers who might think slightly differently than we think. And for many years, we have mostly given only passing attention to sincere interfaith conversations. But our culture... And our world have changed tremendously in recent decades as non-Christian religions have moved from being an abstraction, a theory, uh, something in a textbook, to being practiced by our next-door neighbors. Non-Christian religions have taken on a familiar face, good friends. The co-worker down the aisle from us a community with whom we are working as partners in this very city today. While, while all this is happening, much change, the very word Christian was in some ways being hijacked. Many people hear that word and don't think about the love and the healing of Jesus, do they? Many people hear that word and don't think about the light and the hope of God. They hear that word and they think, what? Self-righteous, judgmental, close-minded, exclusive, arrogant, or rude. Or they think of Christianity as some ancient tradition that's now out of date and out of touch from only an earlier era, not so pertinent today. So there's been lots of shifting. Lots of shifting and 
Unlike when I was in school, the seminary now requires classes, requires classes and ways to engage in interfaith conversations, interfaith issues. This is so very important. My own life as a pastor now includes way more time than ever working with our interfaith partners, building connections, nurturing relationships in this very multi-faith world. Some of my best colleagues in this city are Muslim or Jewish or perhaps have no faith tradition. All this brings then new insights um, to those passages in John's gospel. We have to see those passages in a different light now. And biblical scholars are helping us see those passages in a different light. The way and the truth and the life of Jesus is seen less and less as a system of propositions, less and less a list of beliefs to which we ascribe. The way and the truth are about a personal being, God, God who comes among us in love and in life and gives us life. And the appropriate response to this God who comes among us in love and life is only to be loving, to love, to meet others in love. Love embodied in Jesus, not set up certain barriers or doctrines or levels of dogma on which we have to agree. The way and the truth are about the person, Jesus, the most beautiful and the clearest revelation of God. And following Jesus means living like Jesus lived. Worshiping God, welcoming others, loving all, healing, helping, spreading kindness and hope, not holding other people to some litmus test of what they have to believe or not believe. We want to follow Jesus and not embarrass God with our arrogance or our exclusive tendencies or our self-righteous propositions. I really like the way Houston Smith puts it. Houston Smith is a writer and theologian of some prominence. He says, God is defined in Jesus. That's a bold statement. But Smith also adds that God is not confined to Jesus. God is at work in many areas. God is in work in in many places, and we as God's people are always to experience God's presence and serve God's purposes wherever we find ourselves. The best way that I know how to do that is following Jesus. But it also comes with a demand for grace and humility and welcome and love with Jesus' love and with Jesus' spirit. That's what we strive for. This approach helps me as we all find ourselves more and more surrounded by people who know a lot about the grace and the mercy and the love of God from other traditions other than Christianity. I have learned so much from my Jewish friends. I have learned so much from my connections to sisters and brothers in the Muslim faith, especially in Richmond, So we seek to follow Jesus and embody in all of our connections and in all of our commitments the love and the kindness and the justice and the humility and the light and the peace of Jesus. And when we strive for that, we promote God's way 
and avoid embarrassing God. This is one of the reasons I love being a Presbyterian. One of the major tenets of our Presbyterian tradition, Presbyterian way, is that we have a powerful sense of truth about God, and it's revealed in Jesus. In Jesus, we see God. In Jesus, we sense God's nearness to our lives. In Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we have confidence that love is stronger than hate and life is stronger than death and hope is stronger than despair and God is stronger than everything. In Jesus, we have the way and the truth. But in our Presbyterian tradition, as we claim all of that, we also recognize that God is at work in many places, in myriad ways, revealing truth and promoting God's reign. We have an angle on the truth as Presbyterians, but we also know that we have to watch and listen and dialogue and be engaged with all kinds of people with humility and grace because God is not finished with any of us yet. We have to stay waiting, and we have to stay watching, and we have to stay working, and we have to keep on discerning for more light and more clarity that is to be revealed in God's time. Other faiths are not a problem to be solved. Other faiths are not an enemy to be defeated. Other faiths are not a threat to be overcome. All of life is always an opportunity to see God in our midst, to be enlivened, to be enthused for faithful following of Jesus that moves us toward a more wholesome and hopeful world of peace and justice and reconciliation and light everywhere. We seek to follow Jesus by embodying the welcome and the love and the kindness and the care and the healing and the help that we find in Jesus. At the multi-faith event last Sunday, one of the panelists, a Sikh, asked this question. What religion is God? What religion is God? I've been thinking about that question all week. God is God. God is over all, in all, through all. It's so easy to get caught up in our religions that we embarrass God. We get so bold and so arrogant. When God calls us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship, we get so bold, and yet God calls us to be not conformed, but be transformed with openness and grace, so we can discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. We get so off track, all of us, yet God calls us to focus less on our religion and more on doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with our God. We want to follow Jesus. I do. We do. I hope you do. And Jesus says, love God with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We want to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor. 
And blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who might bring light to the world. We want to follow Jesus and not embarrass God by going into every day seeking to be an instrument of God's light and peace, healing, and care. We want to follow Jesus and we want to honor the very best of Jesus by honoring every person with dignity. We want to follow Jesus and then we'll know something about God and what God intends for the world. Peace and light everywhere. Remember, friends, you're baptized. God knows you. God knows your name. God knows what you're dealing with. That's wonderful. It's the gospel that covers us. And remember, God calls us to follow. Follow and love and serve. For the coming of God's reign of justice and joy, peace and hope everywhere. We want to follow Jesus. May we do it well in this complex, multi-faith world that God's peace and light can emerge today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To stand with you to follow faithfully, that's to abide forever. We seek, we commit to that way. Amen.